Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Russ from Miami's 11. Hope you're safe and well. If not bloody cold, if you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell icon. She made away any times to put new content on. As always, let's thank our lovely channel sponsors on Tucket. Check out the description below. Today's guest, another ex hammer. We've had over 50 of them on the channel, which is incredible considering we only started it in lockdown, the first lockdown. Um, it's Adrian Whitbread. Hi, Adrian. How are you, man? Yeah, very good, Russ. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Keep him warm. Keep him warm. Yeah, trying to, trying to. I mean, I think uh, it's uh, it's the ideal place to moment, at the moment in time to be, but uh, I think we still need to get out and get some fresh air. But I don't think people want to venture outside too far. <laughs> too fresh. You skid over as well. I know you're. I know where you live, and it's like, yeah, it's the same with, with me. You've got a fresh dust of the snow today, and it's just like on top of the other snow. And oh dear. It's not great. It's not great. But it is, as you said, you know, with the with the first lockdown, it was lovely because it was all 30 degrees, you know, it was lovely. We could get away with that. Now it's actually freezing at the moment. So as you said, we can't go anywhere for the next couple of weeks at least, at least. So we'll see Yeah, no, we were very lucky, like you say, in the first lockdown with the weather. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think um, with the second and third waves that have gone on, I think it's uh, it's been a lot more tougher, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. How have you been sort of throughout the sort of the lockdown period? Uh not too bad. I mean I'd Sort of in between, I'd still been doing some football stuff. Um, obviously, with being overseas and then coming back, I think that's been the the biggest bugbear. It's been difficult to get back into the game. Mm. Um, um, so, you know, most recently I've teamed up with, um, uh, from a friend of a friend, uh, a woman that runs Cambioni Academy actually in Chigwell. And I did some summer clinics with our sort of social distancing to start with small groups and then that sort of led into some sort of um holiday work uh, when the kids were off school and uh, most recently actually at the start of lockdown i've had this idea for a long time about doing my own elite clinics and just feel that the younger generation don't really go out and practice as much as what they should do because it's all done in a team environment now so yeah. we're in the process of doing that so that's that's exciting i mean that was meant mm. to happen 
probably in the summer holidays last year, you know, was when we were looking at it. So, you know, Campione Elite and AWEFC is kind of ready to go coming out of lockdown. I'm, I'm pretty sure kids will want to be outside more than what they will do on their laptop, iPads and, and phones. Well, well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd bloody well hope so. It's, uh, I, I don't know how we'd cope if we had to do this like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like no Netflix, no iPads, no YouTube. and oh. Well, back to you know what, Russ, back then, and this is the reason why I've done it, is you know, really back then there wasn't this around, you know, no. and, you know, you used to go out and play with your mates and, mm. you know, you'd be gone at seven o'clock in the morning and maybe make one telephone call from a payphone, the red telephone box, <laughs> and call your <laughs> mum and dad just to let them know that you're safe and sound. And then you'd be an hour late coming home because you wanted to make the most of the daylight that was going on into yeah. the evening. We just used to play out. And I don't know it yeah. sounds it doesn't sound very sort of entertaining but that's what we did as kids you know and yeah put you know it was the old saying jumpers with goalposts we used to put your your sweat tops down or your bags down and make two goals and, and kick around and play football and play play Wembley and you know Edison volleys yeah next goal's a winner you know it's always next well, goal's a winner you used your imagination you you pretended you were certain players that were playing in that era that you looked up to and yeah. you know you watch world cups and, and euros and and you absolutely love the game and i just think nowadays it's just too easy just to pick the phone up and go on social media and yep. you know it takes away a lot of what what kids should, should really be doing is getting out and about yeah no i totally agree i totally agree with an eight-year-old daughter trying to compete with I don't know, some Australian kids she watches on YouTube. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult, you know. It's TikTok now, isn't it? Let's be honest. Oh, God, yeah. I can't get you. Although, to be honest, you know, she's done well because she's like, she sorts out. It's like my mother, we, we moved my mother-in-law in, you know, just because, you know, she's on her sure. own. And, um, and yeah, she's, she's sort of sorted all out of a FaceTime and a WhatsApp so she can talk to all her friends and stuff. So, you know, it's useful to have a, a young tech support person around the house now. But the generation before us have got no idea of how no. to use, no. use it, have they? you know, and let alone I know with my, my old man, you know, emails and even text messaging, he's, he's just got no, no enthusiasm to do and he'd rather not know. And so then you get yeah. drawn into that one and doing it for him. But, um, yeah, that's what we're here for, let's be honest. Exactly, exactly. And um and you know, for, from a West Ham perspective, West Ham are doing I don't think I could cope with West Ham having a West Ham typical season and having a lockdown. So the fact that we're doing all right at the moment makes us things a bit better for me, to be honest. Probably says a lot the says probably says a lot that the crowd's not allowed in the stadium, right? That's typical, isn't it? It's so typical, isn't it? It's typical, isn't it? You know, it's uh but no, it's it's and, and as an ex player agent, I mean you played for obviously a few different clubs. Do you when the results come in, you know, do you always look out for oh how have Orient done how have West Ham done how have Swindon done yeah I think you do tend to yeah. I know you do you know and I speak to a lot of other players and contacts and the teams that they've been at and I suppose it also depends on how your time was at that football yeah. club because I'm sure that there's some players that have left certain football clubs and hope they don't win every game once they've left you know <laughs> but um, you, you watch it from afar and you see all the stuff that's going on in football and especially clubs that I've been at, you know, your Portsmouth, your Reddings, yeah. um, obviously West Ham going into a new stadium not so long ago and, and obviously Orient. And um, it's uncertain times for a lot of those lower clubs and it's difficult. Yeah. And, and even even the, the bigger clubs because, you know, their expenditure is, is, is unbelievable nowadays with everything. But, you know, it's, um, 
we're just all over we get through it and you know supporters can get back inside the stadiums that's the that's the main thing and i think it's it's the one thing that the you know disrespect the normal average working bloke woman wants to go and do is go and support their team yeah and look have that to look forward to on a saturday afternoon mm. and you know, more often than not, probably vent a little bit and get it out of the system so the old man don't get it when you get home, you know? <laughs> it's so true. And it's like, he, I, I thought about it the other day, so interviewing a guy who's been like a season ticket holder at West Ham for like 50 years and, you know, for them, that was like every Saturday, home and away, home and away, home and away. And for the last year, he hasn't done any, any of that. And it's like, it's, it's it, you know, it's just so bizarre when you think about, you know, how far everything's changed. It's like, what I don't like at the moment is, all this behind closed doors is like the normal at the moment now. Do you know what I mean? It's like the normal. It's going to be weird when we go back into the stadiums. Well, I think I think, you, I think what you found, Russ, is that some players now have found it a lot more easier to play sure. with the fact that they haven't got supporters on their back yeah. or, or, or an opposition crowd on their back. And there's going to be another change when it does get, you know, opened back up again in that mm -hmm. then these players now have got to really sort of, you know, re reset the start button to... to mm -hmm having crowds back inside the stadium. I know we're going off track with, I think it's in India this weekend, they're talking about letting 15,000 supporters in yeah. and the cricket are turning around and saying, well, we haven't had it for so long that we're going to, it'd be nice to have them back in, but it's a different pressure. Yeah. So, um, you know, everyone is different and now they deal with it. Some people love it and thrive on it. Some people love on the fact that supporters get on their case and it just thrives them on to turn around and be, you yeah. know, doing better. But, um, and I think this is why you're seeing a lot of indifferent results at the moment. Mm. Yeah, totally. No, I totally agree. Uh, and I think you, it's almost like it's it's like when when it first happened, there was a massive drop in in sort of just quality, and I think as well because as you said, people get used to it, and then they're sort of getting used to it again. And it's, it's not really a home and away situation now, is there? It's, it's like it's it's just a bizarre, you know, sort of cavernous stadiums people are playing in at the moment and it's just I, I think the sooner we get people back in the better to be honest to a stage Russ where it's almost like even though you're playing for points and you know to, to go up or you know get out of a relegation zone or push for Europe that you're yeah. it, it's it's almost got a little bit of a a friendly intake on it if that yeah. makes sense yeah. at the start of the season when you go to these stadiums you play behind closed doors friendlies you know i know you have yeah. 22 odd players and making changes here there and everywhere um but you know that's i mean that's the only way that i can liken it so when i when i played it's, it's almost just a behind the closed doors game mm. where there isn't as much pressure so that's how you're probably getting different performances mm. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I totally get that. But we'll see what happens. As I said, we, we, we yeah, we, we, we lost West Ham, lost obviously the other day in the cup. So it's all about the league for us now. So here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> as you said, just typically there's no bloody fans in the stadium, but it is what it is. That's why we lost, I think, because we didn't want it. We didn't want Martin Abel to lift the cup to an empty stadium. That was why, you see, it's all well, part of the plan. The, that's, the thing, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, apart from, I mean, obviously last, or this season, that point we still played in yet, or last season now, with the FA Cup and Arsenal lifting it. It must be the weirdest feeling in the world. And the same with the Champions League, um, that you, you just don't know what it must feel like to, it's great that you've won it, but it's not the same as winning it in front of yeah. your support, you know? Yeah. and. You know, I hear a lot about the FA Cup and should teams put 
weaken teams out and what have you. And I think the reward is so rewarding now in the in the in the Premier League that mm. if you're in West Ham situation, and I think the prime prime example is Antonio, that you can't afford to lose him. Yeah. You know, we have expect yeah. to whether going into the transfer market and getting a new striker. That if you lose him, I'd say no, not then you then you're struggling to probably make top six. You know, yeah. whereas now you've got a great chance, and why not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. No, I totally agree. I, I I think I think sixth is 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 more achievable based on the the run we've got and the teams are playing. So yeah, we'll see, man. It's it's the West Ham way, isn't it? We know that it's. The... <laughs> You know, it's the West Ham way. Um, now, obviously, talking about West Ham and, and, and you, Adrian, obviously, you you know, you, you signed in uh, in August, like, 94, I think it was. And I believe, actually, you lived about four doors down from me in Queen's Road. In yeah, I think, yeah, well, I would have done because um, I think it was my first house that I bought. And um, um, I was, I'd actually like, come back from Swindon, believe it or not. And I think, it, yeah. well, I know it was... It was when Joey Beauchamp, the infamous Joey Beauchamp, went to, yes. to West Ham. And I think before, even as he was signing the contract, he was sort of suggesting to himself that he'd made the wrong decision. And I caught wind of it. And um, there'd been some stuff in the paper. And of course, we got relegated that, that season out of the Premier League. And it was our first game back in a championship. And, you know, as per normal, the, the game was a week before the start of the Premier League. And I, I played that game on the Saturday and, you know, still knowing that there was an interest and, and fortunately enough for me, you know, I managed to, to get the move to West Ham. I don't think it was probably the ideal deal that they were looking to do, but it was the only way that they were probably going to get Joey Bochamp off of, off the books and, and get one in. And they obviously felt that I needed a centre-half and probably maybe I was just sort of uh, the next part of the jigsaw, so to speak. Yeah, sure. And 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 the, uh, the transfer itself. I mean, obviously, you know what would when, when he said when West Ham were as you said because you know, he's been been relegated the, the the season before, so he's probably already always looking to maybe get back into the Premier League. I'd imagine. And so when you heard wind of it, you thought, okay, well, I'll have some. I'll have some of that. I'll have some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I mean, it was quite ironic that obviously Johnny Moncur had gone in yeah. the off season to West Ham, uh, who was a very good friend, obviously another Loughton boy, and. Yeah. Um, uh, playing colleague Nicky Summerby who I was living with down in Swindon he got his move to Man City and I said look I think there may be a chance that I, I could end up at West Ham and I uh, was very fortunate enough that you know I wanted to remain in the Premier League because obviously that's the league where you, you want to turn around and pick your skills and um, you know obviously coming home to, to a certain degree back into yeah. Essex being an Essex boy and obviously starting in the East End at Leighton Orient, it was, it was a great move for me personally. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and obviously um, you'd have been under the stewardship of Mr. Redknapp uh, at that time, kind of. How how was how was Harry? How was Harry as a as, as a manager? I think Harry was more of a, a man manager than anything else. You know, um, I mean, like you said, you know, we're going to go into the depths of the squad the, and the players that he had to deal with. So you can imagine yeah. back in the day dealing with those types of players, um, you know, I think it was more man managing, you know, than, you know, nowadays the game has changed so much. And I was trying to even think to myself that, you know, when was the first time I started watching, it was actually back in the day, a video of playing an opponent and, things like diet we you know we were pretty much left to our own devices mm. um so 
you know, Harry was there with, with Frank Lampard Sr. And, um, you know, to be honest, I think it was very difficult for me because you still had Alvin playing yeah. um, and Potsy. Um, and obviously the, the situation also arose because Simon Webster had broken his leg in pre-season. Yeah. Um, and obviously that was a very, very nasty injury that actually ended up in, ending his career. Yeah. Uh, he tried to come back from it. So, you know, I was still a young young boy, really. I was 20, 22, 23 years of age. Yeah. And, you know, no disrespect to Swindon Town, but you're going to West Ham United. You know, it's a far bigger football course, club. Yeah. A degree in, obviously, what was the old Division One and, and obviously Premier League now. And it was a challenge for me, you know, um, because obviously you had what you probably call nowadays the old school with Potsy and, and Alvin playing together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I came in, you know, I wasn't going to go straight into the team. I was, you know, I was kind of a stopgap of, of what happened with Joey, let's be honest. Sure. Um, and, but, the, you know, the one thing that I did, I just kept my head down and worked hard. And, um, you know, I thought my chance would come, but it didn't really materialise. And I picked up an injury as well that, that was very long term in the end. Mm. And that unfortunately, at the time, nobody had ever heard about. And um, I tried playing with it and probably was never, I mean, I know no pros ever at 100%, but I was nowhere near probably even 85% 80, in trying to play. Mm. You know, it'd have to, you have to play at your maximum in the Premier League. And, sure, yeah. you know, I was training and taking days off. And, you know, I got to the stage where I, I could barely walk after training. You know, I was trying to take yeah. the weight off of my heel. And the injury was the plantar fasciitis. And it, it, it hindered me for a very, very long time. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you had Alvin, you had Steve Potts, you had, you had Slav, you had you know, the emergence of Rio. As a, as another sense about that was that was four already you know arguably West Ham legends really in the game they became it must have been really really tricky I mean obviously when you went you you knew that was going to be the case you knew there was going to Alvin and Potsy were there and stuff so again it's, as you said you had to just kick your nut down and, and I mean you, you know we I mean you still ended up with injury and stuff and obviously those those four centre backs in front of you really I think you played was it 14, 14 first team appearances you know to be honest Adrian you'd it's, it's people, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people who would swap their their life for you just because you walked out of the pitch at Upton Park and stuff, innit? So, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the bowling ground was an unbelievable ground for yeah. atmosphere. And some of the games, even when I was just even sitting on the bench, you know, at the end of the season when we played Manchester United and beat yeah. them and from winning the league. And, you know, I, I always knew that. I was going up another step in level when going to West Ham. Yeah. And, but do you know what the funny thing is? You know, I don't think there's too many nowadays. I just wanted to play. I wanted to play football. And, you know, even playing reserve team football for West Ham was an honour. But I wanted to get back into that first team mm. uh, environment because that's all I'd ever known, you know, as a, as a young kid growing up. At 17, I, I was playing first team football. So to then come to a place like West Ham and probably have to sit there with Alvin probably coming to the end of his career, Steve Potts being a fan favourite, Slavin coming in, Mark Reap coming in, and then obviously nice. the emergence of Rio sort of in the final or the final year of my contract. And that was tough because obviously 
that everybody knows, Rio talent was unbelievable at such yeah. a young age. But I always remember it. We went away, we went away to um, Arsenal um, at Highbury, and Arsenal was my team. You know, as a as a kid growing up, I supported Arsenal. Yeah. And I was in the squad, and we just signed Paolo Futri, and yeah. he came across all flamboyant and we turn up at the stadium and Harry names the team and Parlo's in the in the start and eleven and he said, I'm not playing. And yeah. Harry's like, what do you mean I'm not playing? He said, I'm not playing. I have to wear the number ten shirt. And at the time Johnny Monker was wearing the number ten shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they'd done some deal in the end where I think Monkey got maybe Oldie out of him or something and gave oh, him yeah, his number yeah. ten shirt. But in that game, he didn't. He, he got taken out of the squad. So obviously, the squad players are up upstairs in the players' lounge in, in the clock end, and they got a call down. You know, can the can the rest of the squad go down? And Rio would travel with us. Rio made the bench, and I didn't. And I was absolutely fuming. You know, yeah. because you know Rio was at the time was still a young kid. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, you think you're the next one in. And I always remember it after the game. Um, we were about to walk back towards to get on the team bus and Harry's walking towards me and he acknowledged me and I learned a lesson that day and um, I'll be totally honest with you, I, I blanked him, I ignored him because I was so upset mm. and he sort of said, hey, what's wrong with you? And I said, Harry, I just want to play. I said, if I can't play, whether I'm good enough or not, if I can't play, I need to go elsewhere because I just want yeah. to play. Yeah, I don't sure. want to sit around. And of course, then you know after that, then I, I went out on loan to Portsmouth, and the rest is history, so to speak. But I think I think that's I think that's a credit to you, agent, in, in that you know, so you said a lot of people are are happy just to sit on the bench and are happy to you know pick up their wage their wage check, and even it seems more days in the in the modern game now, so to speak. I think I might do nowadays, Russ. To be fair, yeah, yeah, I think in terms of how much they yeah. earn, how much I earn, I'll, yeah. I'll sit there, I'll keep yeah. the bench warm, even if it's minus whether it twenty one or whatever it was last night. I'll, I'll do that yeah. fifty grand a week, hundred grand a week. So yeah, but I know what you mean. At least you know, it, it, you know, and it does take. I think it does take bottle to say someone to Harry Redknapp, who's such a, you know icon to say actually no i'm i'm, I'm pissed off mate <laughs> i want to play football i think he i think he valued it russ you know I yeah, think definitely. Because, because later during that week we'd had a i think we were having a training session and, and god bless him he's no longer with us now there's ceilings with us at yeah. the time and something had happened from a corner and les let rip at me and don't forget where he'd been and what he'd done you gave him total up utmost okay. respect but it was one of those situations where I thought, you know what, whether I was still uptight from the weekend, I'm not I thought, I'm not accepting that, you know, and I had a jab back at him. And then Harry went after training fair play, you know, you were right. And it was just, I think in the end, he respected the fact I just wanted to play. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, you know, you mentioned Les, we've had Joe on the channel, his son and, and various others. I mean, he's, you've mentioned a few of those players. I mean, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of big personalities in that dressing room. <laughs> For that time, um, yeah, as you said, monks and bish and, and people like that. I mean, what was what was training like with them lot around all the time? I mean, training was brilliant. You know, yeah. I mean, just to be able to go out and train with those guys. That's why I went back to West Ham. Sure. You know, from yeah. Swindon. You know, I wanted to be a, against those high caliber player. But you know, it was a group. It was, in actual fact, it was, it was pretty much a very tight knit group. Yeah. You know, irrespective of whoever came in. I think 
and the, and the funny thing is, even though this young kid from Essex at 22 years of age was a, amongst established pros, you know, you're talking pros that were established, it, it was difficult, but I think they, they accepted me, you know, they liked me. And, um, you know, I, I felt as if I was part of their group. And I always remember when, when Slav came in, you know, and, and he said to me one day, he said, I can't understand why you're not playing. And again, look, the game's all about opinions. And I'm sure there's West Ham fans tenfold that turn around and say I was rubbish or this, that and the other. Sure, yeah. But when Slav had said it to me, I thought, do you know what, that's actually really nice to hear. Yeah. You know, that he could see something in me on a day-to-day basis in training that he felt warranted a place in the team or, mm. at the very least, playing in the Premier League. Yeah. And um, so that that was nice. Um, but in the end, like you say, it didn't work out and through injury and not being selected and the emergence of Rio, Slaven, then coming in with Mark Reaper. Um, I, I pretty much knew then that I wasn't going to get in the team because they were in international players. Sure, of course. And... Um, you know, in the end, I think I made the right decision because I went to Portsmouth and I played all the games for the rest of the season whilst I was on loan and then made the transfer permanent and was made captain the following season. Yeah, I mean, you played loads of games at Portsmouth, 130 odd games, 140 games, something like that, wasn't it? it was, uh, and as you said, yeah, it was. It definitely was the right decision. And obviously, after after you finished, after you, you retired, you know, we're just t- touching it because I, I love because we've had like people like Pete Butler on who who's like Liberian team manager and he's Botswana, and you've had a bit of travelling, you've, <laughs> you've had a bit of travelling on the old management front, haven't you, in the coaching side, um, Bahrain under 23s and Puerto Rico. You know, you've you've you've, you've done all right, and you know, you've got your yeah, yeah, well, on. You know what, Russ? The funny thing is, and probably well, a lot of people will know about it now because obviously, obviously, with Martin Allen as his assistant, yeah. and to this day, and I was racking my brain how it actually all came about. And you know, obviously, Martin was at West Ham the same time I was there. Yeah. Martin then went off to Portsmouth, and then I went on loan and travelled with Martin um, down to Portsmouth via car because obviously I was only on loan. So that's where our relationship built up. And even with Peter Butler, I've still kept in touch with Butts because of him being overseas and what I've been doing. And it was only really after me and Martin lost our jobs at Leicester that the opportunity to take became available to go overseas. And I thought I was going on a three-week holiday to the Canary Islands and it was a a three-week holiday to the Caribbean to set up the Puerto Rican national team. And... You know, that's how it that's how it all developed the overseas. And probably maybe now it may have hurt me a little bit in the fact that I went out overseas and you're generally forgotten pretty quick. As much as a player. Um but the experience that I had in going to see different cultures and different environments of yeah. playing styles in top Mexican leagues, um, Honduras. You know, Trinidad and Tobago, the Caribbean culture, the South American, North American culture was was invaluable to me. And I think it was like when I played, you know, it's great playing in the English Premier League. You kind of then look back and say, well, I, you know, I did have a very good career pretty much then in the championship. But the one thing I never did was play overseas. And mm. when you look at it now, you think, I wish that maybe I'd gone and done that. But it was never a kind of around in those days, you know. Yeah. It, it only just sort of started to happen and you know the coaching overseas has been great you know dealing with different people like I say you know a lot of politics go on behind the scenes in Bahrain 
but yeah. but that's the same in football anywhere, and that's how yeah. you deal with it. And I think that that just adds to to learning more about the game um, as a coach. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Vlad Butts on. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah, he was in Liberia and we interviewed him, which is just brilliant. I just find it it's, it's incredible actually. But you you forget. I, I think you get outside. I think I think we always think football in this sort of like English bubble, don't we? And it's actually, you know, when I want to like his story when he's like being in like prisons watching a prison match in terms of trying to get you know uh i mean, Russ, I mean I went, when i first went out to puerto rico i went back for the second time because the old northern ireland international colin clark was sure was taking over and he used to come and do the club team as well yeah and when i went out there he he said right i need to go and stay with the players because obviously we were playing in the american league and it's such a big country yeah that you're traveling everywhere by plane but mm. So initially to start, when you're bringing the players in, you can't just tell them to jump in their car and drive into training. You've got to fly players in from the West Coast, pick them up at the airport and bring them in and then take them to to, to, to sort of live somewhere for a month until their accommodation's ready. And I always remember, we, we, we had to turn around literally go to the equivalent of Ikea yeah. in, uh, in Puerto Rico and buy flat pack beds and duvets and set them all up because you wanted to be professional and then have... Uh, the main director of the football club trying to jimmy the light switch to turn around and make the electrics work and then when you've got all the players in the manager says well i'd like you to stay with him but there's not a bed for you so, so you sleep on the kitchen floor again you know i've learned a lot of this from martin allen if i'm being totally sure. honest and i think everybody knows martin's you know <laughs> you either love him or you hate him he's my he? let's be honest oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. how people can be with him but his loyalty and his man management towards players was second to none in making sure that they could turn around and just come and play football when they did and yep. taking an interest in their well-being outside of the game and not just forgetting about them. It's become a, a massive thing nowadays. And I think even from the Europeans that come in now that when they come into a club like West Ham, they've got a chaperone that looks after them and takes yeah, yeah, yeah. them used to the environment. And, um, but you know, some, my brother my sister and I don't know why you don't keep a lot of it and write a book, you know, because of the stories and where I've been and what I've done and, you know, the reason why we're talking this morning, you know, yeah. is to just get a little bit of an insight into what's been going on and and, and how football does work, you know. I mean, like yeah. I said, I'm not in the game uh, in a coaching capacity at the moment. I'd love to get back in. I'm trying to find other ways to do things. You know, at the moment, I'm, I'm helping out with... Um, actually taking vulnerable disability children to, to school so you know yeah, I, I can't sit still i don't like sitting at home yeah, yeah, yeah that's the other side to me you know and i think that's why people can relate to me is that i'm just a normal bloke yeah you know, and i've never i've never ever changed russ yeah no i get it and and i mean to be honest i've been puerto rico it's a, it's a beautiful place as well oh, like, up with the, up with the rainforests oh I love it. If someone if someone said to me, Russ, and I, and I was funny, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and I've said it a few times. If someone was to offer me a contract of ten years guaranteed, yeah, and you kind of just get through the quality of life is unbelievable, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was waking up when I when when they got the football club running, and it happened on three separate occasions for me because I became I went from the assistant to the coach, and the team folded, then a new team came back, and I took over as the head coach and had to set up a brand new team. And, you know, I was very, very lucky. Was I lucky? Well, no, there must have been something about it that they liked. They wanted me to come and be their head coach. And 
I was literally a width of a road living in this apartment overlooking the ocean, going in the training at six o'clock in the morning because you couldn't train past 10 o'clock because it was too hot. <laughs> Finishing by 12 o'clock, there wasn't really any scouting to do because the country was too big and we didn't have the budget for me to fly out here, there and everywhere and watch things yeah. online. And it was, and I, I do think it added probably years to my life. And yet, yeah. and, and I, that was the one thing that I did notice that when I did come back from being overseas that everything is so quick over here. You know, yeah. everything is so quick and it is a lot more stressful. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Get that totally. Get that totally. Yeah. I remember once when I was in Puerto Rico, we had we got we jumped in a cab and just asked a bloke to just show us around. And I think we I think we was in the cab for about fifteen hours. He was just showing us everything. He showed us the battle site. He took us up to the rainforest. No, I love it. Yeah, I mean I mean the one thing was, I mean I found the, the people in Puerto Rico so accommodating. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, you know, I learned a little bit of Spanish, and when I tried it and I got it wrong, they laughed, but they loved the fact that you tried. And go, every yeah. morning when you woke up and you walked somewhere, it didn't matter who it was, they always said good morning. And I, and I, I relate to it again. I remember the first year after being away for a whole year, I, was, I went out in there and went to get a, a coffee, and uh, I opened the door for someone in this... Uh, Probably an elderly couple walked out and I went, good morning, opened the door to them and they walked straight past me, Russ, and they must have thought, they must have thought I was some form of serial killer or something because yeah. it was just like it wasn't the norm. And I think well, that's, that's, it, that's it been for you, isn't it? That's it been for you. That's it. Well, you know. I, think, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said yeah, for it. It doesn't, especially now in today's climate, it doesn't take much to say hello and good morning, no. does it? It's true, actually. I think, actually, if anything, I think, you know, looping back to the whole thing that's happening in the moment, I think people, when you're walking out, when you walk down the road and, and people seem a lot more, hello, how are you? Because they probably haven't seen anyone, to be honest, for a day. And so, you know, like the other day, I was walking, like walking up to the co-op. That's how I roll, Adrian. Walking up to the co-op, uh, living the dream. And uh, three people said hello to me in about five minutes it was so bizarre and people i don't know but uh, no i i know what you mean i know what you mean it's, well, I, um, think also, I think also russ i mean like you said back when the initial first lockdown happened i know we're a little away from football at the moment but the sunshine made such a massive massive difference yeah, to people's definitely. lives but i've noticed recently with waking up early and doing a of, of, of school running around and what have you for these kids they're starting to get lighter it's getting yeah. lighter in the evening i know whether and I was sat in the car the other day with the personal assistant was, that was helping out with the kids. And I said to her, look, I said, I know we're fully clothed here now at the moment. I said, but vision this, the sun's out. It, as I know it's cold outside, but you could be wearing a pair of shorts. And we're not far away from that. You know what I mean? No, we just yeah. got to go through this next six to eight weeks and then we'll be back flying again. Hopefully, yeah, he's open. He's open, mate. Right, okie dokie. Let's let's talk about your Hammers 11. So basically, everyone we've had on the channel, bar Harry, actually, and Bish, actually thinking about it, um, has given a an 11. So for the fans, we get to pick players they've been alive to see play. But for the players, we like to pick people that they, they worked with at that time at West Ham, played, trained, etc. And you've got quite, I mean, I was, you know, there's, as I said, we've probably interviewed quite a few of the people that you're probably going to put into your team as well, which is quite good. Um, so that's what we'll do. And everyone loves it because it's just a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. You know, and you can pick yourself, yeah. Aid, if you want to get those those appearances back up, mate. I don't think I could with those players. In the, I'm going to take my time. Well, unsurprisingly, it's probably some of them you picked have picked themselves in their team, I'd imagine, just because of who they are. Right. Okay. So um, I pr probably the easiest one is probably in goal for you, I reckon, isn't it? Maybe. Ludo. 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 
yeah, yeah. That's what I, was gonna say. Yeah, I mean he was he was a specimen you know and uh yeah. even even when we had pre-seasons he was at the front of running he was a he really? was a machine so and uh and he he was i mean he didn't speak loads of english but nah. he had a sense of humor and he was quite funny when he smiled he had a great smile so yeah definitely ludo in goal yeah top man top man lovely lovely guy um right uh let's go would you want to play four four two is it easy enough i was working this through my head russ I, I think i might have to play a four four three three four five one just for getting the personal okay. ellie Okay, like okay. I like it. I like it. Right. Okay. Let's see. What, let's see what I can do on the. Are we going right? Okay. Let's go. All right. Let's pick another probably easy one. Let's go. Let's go left back. Who would be left back for you? Norm. Norm. Julian Dix. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, he, I don't think he was there initially, or he just left the first time I went there. But then Harry brought him back, and uh, of course, reputation leads before itself. He was a, a West Ham legend icon, you know, and. Um, yeah. Again, just watching this player come back in, and we all know that he'd had the uh, the knee injury. And yeah. it, do you know what? The funny thing is, I ate it off of him. I got on really well. I got on really, really well with him. And um, I always remember we were two stories. We were away at the, an end of season trip in Spain, and I won't name names. Um, yeah. Norm was flying at the time at left back. Yeah, and we. We bumped into uh, the assistant manager of England out in Spain. Yes. And I always remember it because Norm was really opinionated and Norm was like, Eve, you, you love him or you ain't, don't worry. I'm not yeah. bothered. And the quote that came out, he said, well, if you grow your hair, I can get you in the England squad. <laughs> and he looked yeah. at me. We had, we, had Jules on, we had Jules on about two weeks ago and he said that exact, exact story about that. Yeah. John no, yeah, no, yeah. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And then... I remember, I think I was in, I was actually in the team to play. So, you know, normal standard procedure, we all go out about quarter past two to do the warm up. Yeah. And this is the first time that I'm in the same starting 11 as, as, as Norm. And uh, he's just got his like slip on and pair of shorts. Yeah. I said, Chew, Chew, so you're not coming out to warm up? Well, you can imagine, nah, sack all that. So, what are you going to do? No word to a lie. He had the hottest bath, he had a litre and a half of coke, he laid in the bath, drunk the litre and a half of coke, and just went out and played. Yeah. It was unbelievable, you know? Yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't be known of nowadays, you know, no. and that's how he was. And the final one on on on, on Ju Julian was uh, we had a pre-season down in Bournemouth and uh, Harry decided to bring in a fitness coach. And I think we were doing some stretching. So obviously I was open to it, a young boy, you know, I'm going to do what I'm told because this is the way it goes. Yeah. And Harry, and Harry said to Julian, 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 you've got to start stretching. He's like, I don't do all that. And he tried doing it and he pulled his hamstring because <laughs> he wasn't used to stretching. <laughs> you know, so, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's what the West Ham, he's what West Ham's all about. And let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and as you find out, I did ask you that question. I said to him, because I like to be a bit silly, I said, Julian, why didn't you ever warm up? And he, and he told me, he said, so he went, Harry made me warm up once, and I came back in and told him I'd done my hamstringing. And he said, yeah, exactly what he did. Hot bath, litre and a half of Coke, and a Mars bar. And it's like... Oh, oh. He, he, used to go, he used to go out before training, and he used to literally just run out, full steam, sprint out onto the training pitch, get to the top of the 18-yard box, and just smash balls as hard as he could in the back of the net. Mental, innit? 
it's incredible yeah. now. And you th- as you said, as a coach as well, as a manager of you now, it's like if your players were doing that, you'd be like, what? <laughs> they wouldn't have a chance well, doing well, that. I think, I think, well, I think that, you know, again, the game has changed now. Yeah. And the sports science and what have you. But that sort of type of player with that sort of reputation, that's what he does. And that's what gets yeah. the best out of him. Then you you have to kind of let him go and be, be how he wants to be. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I put we'll put Jules on the left. Then uh, let's go. Let's go right back. He'll be right back. This was difficult. Um, th- there was probably two in the equation: Kenny Brown and uh, Timmy Breaker. Yeah. And uh, probably more. Probably more for his up and down than anything else was probably. I, I went with Timmy Breaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He's one of those players, and I, and, I, and again, it's like it, because he was so consistent people tend to forget about him. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. seven out of 10 players. No one ever seems to remember. It's always the, the guys who do an eight and then do a four or the really, really crap ones, or, you know, but the guys who are just consistent. And as you said, just the way I watched loads of his old, of the old clips and, 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 and old matches over lockdown, the way he said, he just bombed like a modern day right back, really, wasn't it? So overlaps quite a bit. And well, the roles change now, you know, back yeah. in the day, like you said, you never noticed the right back. He was just no. a right back. You know, whereas nowadays your, your fullbacks are part of your uh, your attacking force. Yes. You know, they've got yeah. such a key component of a team. Wherever they're a wing back or a fullback, they've got to get forward. They've got to bomb up and down. They've got to get into the back post and score a goal here and there. And um, you only have to look at the two fullbacks at Liverpool. You know, they're they're a prime example of what the modern day fullback is about. Yeah, definitely right. Okay, so that's it. Timmy's in right centre offs. First centre off. Who's going to be your first centre off? Slavin. Slavin, 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 you know, yeah. just as a, you know, he was a very, very good footballer, you know, yeah. and, you know, but on top of it as well, he was a proper bloke, you know. I mean, I think they, when they all were, you know, like I yeah. said, I got on with all of them, but Slav would be the first one in and then alongside him, even though, you know, Rio was a young star, I, he was really at the start of the end of my reign there, so I never really got to see him in the no, first team no, no. environment. Um Alvin was coming to the end as well. Potsy was borderline that. So the other one would be Mark Reaper. Oh yeah, great shout. Again, he's a, he's another guy that I think he doesn't get as much uh, as much credit as as the, as when he was because he was just like I always forget I forgot about him really. To be perfectly honest, it was only when again you start watching these again. But him and him and Slack, that's all that. That was a good partnership there. And there's a, and there's yeah. a sense about you need a good partner, don't you? Um, it's like now with Dawson and Ogbonna, hopefully Ogbonna, if he's, if he's not injured. Yeah. Um, it's so important. Everything, if you get a good centre-back partnership, it seems everything else hangs off it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, Reeves was, was a great, a great player. Great player. I had, I had one partner, Russ, where uh, down at Portsmouth, named Andy Orford. Uh, you won't yep. mind me naming him. And we used to play alongside each other. And one day the ball went over the top of his head and he weren't the type of player. He hated running. And he looked <laughs> at me and it was on his side of the pitch and down his channel. He looked at me and he just said, Whit, can't get there. And he just point blank, he refused to run. And I had to run from the other side of the pitch over. And like you said, it, but we laugh and joke about it nowadays. But that's yeah, that's what you knew. You knew what people's strengths and weaknesses were. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay, date. So we've got Reaps, we've got we've got there's a back four, we've got Ludo. Right, okay, let's go into midfield, right? Whatever formation you're gonna play. What who's gonna be your first person? Okay, so first one I'll put it's it's gotta be my old boss, Martin Allen. I've got to yeah. have Martin in there. Um, you know, not just as a friend, he was loved. He was loved at West Ham just because, yeah. you know, and 
uh, you know, I've got great memories with him as a player, but also as a coach, and still obviously still speak to him nowadays. And um, yeah, I, I always remember the story. I don't, I don't think it's probably until the last five years. Bearing in mind, I've known him for twenty five years. Yeah. And um, at one point, he was trying to lose the name tag of Mad Dog because obviously he. <laughs> You know, he'd spoken to people and they felt, is it hindering him in sort of getting work as a manager and yeah, yeah, yeah. the way the game's going? And I said, Gavin, where'd you get that name from? And it was through Bish. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, Martin was playing in this game and Bish looked over to him and Martin had all this saliva and drooling down his mouth. And Bish went, you look like a mad dog. And that's how it stuck. And... You know, I, and again, funny enough, watching the clips recently myself, and some of the stuff that came up on social media, he scored some great goals. Yeah, and, he, really he, and he could strike a ball really, really well, you know. Yeah. And um, so he, and he had a little bit of bite in him. I, you know, I don't think he was, you know, you're probably out and out holding midfielder, tackling and heading, but yeah. he, he had a streak about him as well. He knew how to when to put his foot in, so he'd he'd be one of the three. And then um, because I'd seen him at first hand when I went to Swindon, and obviously once he'd left Tottenham, Johnny Monker, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, he, he, he always wanted the ball. He always wanted the ball. He didn't care where he was. And another one, probably from the lunatic asylum, if I'm being totally honest, I can say that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, this <laughs> totally is kind agree. of what I'm at. This is kind of why I'm matching them all together because if, even if they can't play together, they'd be fun to watch. Um, said he would be, yeah. You know, so, so Monkey would be in there with, with the Mad Dog, so there's two, yeah. and then the third one would be Bish. Oh, God, that's just like... <laughs> I don't oh, know whether it's a team of footballers or a team that go out and socialise or did back yeah, in the day. Yeah. Exactly, it'd be a good night out whenever they're out, that's be, that's be for sure. And, but, I mean, and yeah. another, another and, and like I said to us, Maybe, maybe that was a problem. My problem. I got on too well, and they were older pros. Yeah. And I was a younger, younger pro, and uh, I just got on really even well with Bish. That would go around his house and socialise with him and his wife, and you know, he was just a, he was a nice bloke outside of the game as well, but wanted to play. And you know, he'd done some things with the ball, and you go, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he was, and I think we've, I think that, that we had, I mean, we've we've had all three of them on, um, and you know, with I think with Monks, we were talking to him about his partnership with Bish because that became sort of, you know, pretty much that sort of mid nineties was was the partnership, um, yeah. and and he said, you know what, right? Because I said, you know, you had some good teams, you, you know, you had your you had your, your Arsenal, you had some big midfielders, and you know, no disrespect to the three, the two of you, but you weren't big boys. Um, and he said, you know what, Russ, there was a period. It might be an arrogance, but there was a period that season, you know, where we'd, we'd have beaten anyone, we'd have taken anyone that time, you know, in the midfield. And you know, I, I, I totally believe him as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, dis- no, no disrespect between probably Monks and Bish. There probably isn't a tackle between them. Ah, no, exactly. And but but they'd have a go, and yeah. you know, Monks would have a go with a two footer as well. And again, it would rile up the you know the West Ham supporters because to get behind them, and they go, yeah, we'll have some of this. You yeah. know, again, that's the old East End culture, isn't it? You know that that's what people wanted to see. Yeah, they want to see skill yeah. and ability, but they just wanted to see people have a go and. Monks was one of those, and he didn't care. He'd get on the ball, and he just want to pass the ball. And you know what? Great characters off the pitch as well. Unbelievable, yeah. you know, like to be in their company, and some of the memories are unbelievable. 
Yeah, yeah. It was funny when we interviewed Monks. He was like, because obviously he's he's calmed down a little bit now in in older life. And then when we started talking about, and he started coming, out of, you could see his little glint in his eye. And he was like, oh, they, they, they were just like like Tourette's. It was literally story after story after story about. Well, we had we had we had we had one Russ in um in Swindon, so yeah. uh, we couldn't win a game. Like start the game, start you know the start of the season, jumping up from the championship to. Sure, to, yeah. To the Premier League, and um, Johnny Gorman was the manager. And we were playing QPR on the Wednesday night. We weren't sure it was going to going to happen because it come down snow on the Monday. <clears throat> and he said, "Well, we can't get on the training field." He said, "Well, what we we'll do is we'll go for a walk and a jog, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have a bit of lunch at the pub." This is on a Monday night, by the way, and or Monday afternoon. So halfway through the afternoon, he said, "Right, lads, make your way home." There's no rush to leave now. Well, the game's not going to be on, is it? It's too much snow on it. We'll stay in the pub. <laughs> stay, in the, stay in the pub. Come out of there. And then got back to the training room. We're like, where's Johnny Wonka? Where is he? <laughs> Next thing we know, the minibus is going flying around the training ground, training <laughs> people, and break turns. <laughs> it was incredible, you know? Oh, it was incredible. And, and lo and behold, what happened on the Wednesday night? The game got played. We beat QPR and won our first game. Just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. But that was that was that, yeah. as you said that was the era. I mean, we've had we had um, we interviewed uh, who did we interview? He meant, uh, we interviewed Trevor Sinclair and Trevor's like saying obviously because that that was the I mean when you started when you joined that was the sort of the first year of Redknapp and then he had seven years really of Redknapp and he was obviously we finished fifth, seventh, eighth I think as well and um, that fifth season he's yeah bit um, sinks went you know if we'd we hadn't if we'd gone out we used to go out on a Tuesday night Harry used to put us say we could go out for a drink on a Tuesday night and stuff and he says you know part of me thinks if we hadn't done that we might have got into the you know the top four but actually because we did that we got into we got became fifth because we had this little team spirit um, and well, as you said with monks and stuff like that it makes no logical sense at all that but you know you win your first game no team spirit is a, a wonderful thing and it's done in obviously it has to be done in different ways nowadays because of social media and unfortunately how people can be towards yeah. professional footballers or sports people when they go out but we had the same down in Puerto Rico <clears throat> My manager used to say to me, he goes, well, we're making chicken salad out of chicken. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine the word. Yeah. And it wasn't that. It's just that the boys were so collective and wanted to run through brick walls together. Exactly what mm. you're saying about when West Ham finished fifth and seventh, that, you know, it was a fine line. But because we're out the, the eye line, so to speak, you know, we were yeah. going to Puerto Rico, even though we are playing the US League, you know, straight away after a game, it would be like, like the boys are going out tonight and I'd go out with them and my boss would say, well, go and keep an eye on them and what have you. Yeah, and yeah. it was probably the same back in back in my day in England. You know, even though you were you were professional enough to train hard, work hard, you'd be planning about what you were going to be doing on your Saturday night. Of course, yeah, yeah. You know, and oh I'm I'm wearing this suit to this game. What I'll do is I'll just take my tie off. And I'm ready to go straight out after yeah. the game, you know, and that's that's how it was. And again, I'm, I know nowadays it's changed, but it's a fine line, isn't it? You know, I'd always come yeah. back to, I think, if you're not hurting no one else yeah. and being a bit smart around the fact of if you've just lost the game and played awful, then you shouldn't be going anywhere near anyway. That's just common sense, yeah. you know. And um, 
you know, so yeah, you know, those those three would be in midfield, and whether it's because of stuff they did on off the field as much as I want it, but it was a bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both. We'll go with a bit of both. Yeah, that ain't a bad midfield three. Um, right, okay, okay. Up, let's go for your three up top. Who's your first one going to be? Okay, I had to think about this, and I'm going to throw Stan Lazaridis on the oh, left. Do you know board. what? Oh, he was my. He was one of my idols when I was young. That old laser, such a nice bloke. Well, he was a proper bloke, and do you know what, Russ? He just grew into becoming better and better and better. I mean, mm. obviously, Hayes to Eddie then got called up for Australia yeah. um, for the national team. Um, but he'd score goals and he could go past the player and he could put the ball in the box. And that's, and that's I think, uh, that's a lost art, I think, now in football. Or, or well, maybe I, mean, it's changed. I, was going, I was going through it and I was thinking probably in that, in that two years, stroke three years that I was there, because obviously in the third year I left, I don't think we were really, really graced with predominant wingers, which was... No. I don't know how the game's gone back again now. People want wingers. They play on opposite sides. Yeah. So there's a little bit of thought that's gone into this. Um, of my two wide players, Stan would probably be the quickest. Um, but it, he just he just was someone that grew and grew and got better with more confidence in, in that team. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, yeah, big fan of laser. Right, okay, he's going to be on the left. Who's going to go on the right then, Adrian? I had to think about this, and uh, I've gone with Michael Hughes. Michael Hughes. That, do you know what? I don't think, unbelievably, I don't think Michael Hughes has come up ever, and that's a travesty because he was such a great player for us. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was a little bit in and out, but again, he was another international, Northern Irish, yeah. Ireland international. I mean, I don't think he was electrically quick, but he had ability on the ball, and he would he would chip in with some decent goals. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, definitely. I couldn't really. I mean, there was Matty Holmes as well that I thought about. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just I just didn't think. I thought they would be the most, the two most probably productive within the team that yeah. I know that when you know I played with. You know, Matty again wasn't blessed with pace, but could do a bit and and go past yeah. the player. But you yeah. know, I didn't think. Within our squads over that two and a half years, there was probably anyone else that I would be able to put out there. You know, not the fact that I'm just putting him out there, but you know, the, there was other people that I could have probably thought about putting personnel-wise. But they, they yeah. were the two wide players for me. Fun of your mind, no, definitely. Um, yeah, great shout, Mickey. Old Mickey Hughes. Um, right, so we got we got Lays on the left, Hughesy on the right. Who's going to spearhead it? <laughs> this is going to work into the free midfield and my left back what they're like outside or were like outside of the game in socialising it would have been Don Hutchison bloody hell <laughs> because again do you know do you know what I looked at it and I just thought the fact that A coming from Liverpool yeah. it could have been a little bit of a demotion for him because he'd been at Liverpool and he'd done well and yes. again he probably isn't an out and out centre forward he's probably more of a number 10 yeah. if the truth be known um but within the team that we had and the strikers that I looked at in Steve Jones, um, TC, you know, was coming towards the end of his career after coming back. I just felt he was still at a young age around that era that, and he, he could score goals. You know, he had great technique and another yeah. one that would probably go into the lunatic, lunatic asylum with us all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's somewhat of a lunatic asylum at 11, to be honest. But, I mean, Hutch is like, you know, I mean, now West Ham could be playing with a false nine at the moment, you know, if we're uh, if things are led to be believed with Antonio and whatnot. Hutch would have been a great false nine, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, like, that's why I said, I, I mean, I was struggling to, to make him an out-and-out centre-forward, but it was the only way that I could get him in the team with pushing the three in midfield that I had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest, there's probably plenty of goals in that team, you know? Oh, yeah, oh, it's definitely, definitely. I mean, there's there's goals in that team there. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, as I said, that's, there's a lot, you've got laser, I think there's a lot of creativity, a lot, a lot of creativity, and as I said, the night's out will be a, be a giggle. That's for sure. I think we'd be the best. Not we'd be we'd be the best eleven for a night out. That's for sure. Even though I'm not perhaps I just have to be the manager and I'll just go with my way. Yeah, and you got you got to take him out and keep an eye on them in it around Epping yeah. or or, in, or uh, you know, in out and down the old. Uh, I don't know what the pubs were when you were around there. There would have been the standard. There'd have been uh, uh yeah, the Royal Oak. Yeah, Royal. Oh yeah, the Royal Oak. Yeah, I forgot about the Royal Oak. Yeah, that was the one, weren't it? <laughs> and the Royal Oak. Ajay, man, it's been lovely. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's no, you're welcome. Really, really fun. Obviously, thank you to everyone for watching as well or listening, whatever you're going to do. Um, if you give it a like, give it a share. Um, and for myself and from uh, Adrian, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Wash those hands. Get your jabs. Come in your irons, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care. Take care, Love you all. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.